Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. Um, I have on here today the king himself of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I have Christian Van Buren. Christian, how are you doing today? Oh, doing well, my man. Doing well. Grinding, hustling, you know, trying to make it happen for, for, for me and those around me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're the director of pro and elite performance down at D1 Sports in Louisiana, correct? Yes, sir. How's that for you? Man, it's it's uh it's pretty awesome. I, I would say that it's hectic uh, at times, but uh, I, I don't think I would have it any other way. Um, very challenge oriented. So uh, anything that presents a challenge and uh, you know gives me an opportunity to grow from it, I enjoy it, man. Uh, it's fun. It's fun being able to be around guys and girls of that caliber each and every day and, and watching them move through the processes of being a better athlete, a better person. So it's awesome, man. I, I love it. That's awesome, man. So kind of getting into this, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you've been, your kind of background with strength conditioning and that kind of thing. Right. So, man, my, my background with strength and conditioning um, is pretty interesting um, because I, heck, I actually didn't even know I was going to be um, a strength coach initially whenever I was coming up uh, as a kid my, my mom and dad used to really push me uh, to want to be a physical therapist and uh, so whenever I got to college as an athlete it was like hey lead or you know physical therapy and it wasn't until uh, I stepped on campus and one of the first people I met at Northwestern State was the great uh, Joey Garaccio he was actually my head strength coach in college my freshman year and uh, instantly. I was like, man, look, I want to do what he does. Um, and so it kind of it kind of switched gears for me uh, when I was 17 years old. And um, from there, you know, just kind of went through the process of being a college football player. Uh, always tell people I was a good player, but I wasn't good enough. So, um, you know, I went through the draft process um, with Ryan Clark in 2018 uh, down here in Baton Rouge at a place called Traction. And uh, then I got the opportunity to meet uh, Mo Wells who is, you know, the man, right? So I, I had, I had you know, reference with Joey, and then I had a reference coming out of college into the uh, professional ranks with Mo Wells, and I, I automatically knew, okay, I know for a fact I, I want to be a part of this, whenever that might be. Um, so didn't get drafted, and I didn't sign a long-term deal. I tried out for a bunch of teams, but it just didn't work out. Work out. So I ended up going back home where I'm from, a little country place. Uh, Pineville, Louisiana, about two hours north of here. And uh, I was working at a supplement shop. 
had no degree. I ended the draft without a degree. I had no certifications, no nothing. And uh, the condition's a great place. So Joey Garacio calls me and he's like, look, man, I've been paying attention to your process. What's going on? So I kind of told him what was happening. He was like, look, man, don't worry about it. Come work up here at Colorado State with me, Ryan Davis, all the guys up there. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do that, coach. Like, uh, I'm from the South. I don't really know if I want to move that far. You know, and I still think that football is a legitimate thing for me. So I'm a hold tight. And he goes, well, look, think about it. Just know you got till, you know, May 28th. Make a so I literally waited till like May 26th. And uh, I'm packing my car up to go. My parents are like, you know, where are you going? Well, I'm going to Colorado State. I decided I want to make this thing happen. They're like, cool. Do you have a place to stay? Do you know, you know, where you need to be? And I was like, no, I have no idea. I'm just going to drive to the campus. So uh, I get in the car and I drive, you know, and I was just like, you know, it, I'm, I'm working at a supplement shop with no degree, no nothing for like $7.25 an hour. The worst thing that can happen is I go up there, I learn a lot. I get to say I was up there and I come back home. So I, I just took a chance. So I drove up there and uh, I drove 17 hours straight. Um, and when I got there, I had nowhere to stay. I really had, didn't have any money. Um, so I actually got on Snapchat and Instagram at the time. I didn't have a big following. And I actually asked people to send me money to uh, help me fund a hotel room for at least two to three nights. And uh, so I stayed in the hotel room my first three nights there. And I was able to find um, a spot. One of the um, guys that intern prior had a listing on Craigslist. I was like, look, I, I have nowhere to stand up and go. And so his name is Jake View. Jake is actually at Maryland now uh, with RD, Ryan Davis. And he was like, look, man, not the biggest, but uh, I, didn't, I was able to make do while I was here. So we're going to make it happen. So I walk into this place. First thing I noticed is the air conditioner doesn't work. Uh, and I asked Jake, I was like, man, like, is it always like this? He was like, yeah, it's a grind. Like, you don't have to fight for you. Um, the room wasn't very big. There was a box spring, like, on the floor. And, like, wooden shelves that looked like they kind of, like, made on their own. <laughs> and this private bathroom was actually, like, there are people who have small closets bigger than this private bathroom. It's like a stand-in shower and a toilet right next to it. And so uh, that's where I stayed. It was unpaid internship. Um, I didn't have any money. So a lot of the guys that interned with me uh, would tell you, like, for breakfast, I would eat, like, Ritz crackers and, like, trail mix, orange juice bottles and, like, stuff like that. Um, when I went there, I was 210. By the time I left, I was 188. But oh my God. I did anything and everything that was asked of me. Um, and with Joey being a former coach of mine, he took me under his wing during my internship process and, he made sure I had every perspective from on the man. I mean, from not only just the collegiate setting and working with those guys, but when the pro guys would come back, he made sure that I was right there. Uh, when return to play came back, he made sure I was right there on the floor uh, working with him. And whenever he lifted weights, he made sure I lifted weights with him. Like I, I was, he made sure I was joining this hip and uh, learned a ton. So then uh, I got a phone call six weeks into that from uh, Jared Myatt, who is now the director at Live Oak High School here in Baton Rouge, but he was the director of Northwestern State at the time. And uh, my alma mater, eventually my eventual alma mater, he was like, look, man, come be a GA. 
I was like, well, coach, I haven't graduated. Like, I, I've just been up here interning. I have no degree. And he was like, don't worry about it. Uh, it's not going to it's not going to matter. We'll just tell athletes you're an assistant coach. You get your undergrad while you're here. I'll give you themes. We're going to roll. So once again, I get my Camaro, same car I've been driving since 2017. And I drive another 13 hours back to Natchitoches, Louisiana, uh, where I started my athletic career. And as soon as I hit the turf, because they were in camp at the time when I recorded, he goes, let's run to the office. We're going to run through. So we run through logistics of being at Northwestern State as a strength coach. He gave me all these teams and he goes, all right, program it, have it ready by the semester. I'm sitting there thinking, man, two months ago, I was a football player, backpedaling, you know, doing drills. And now all of a sudden you want me to program for some pretty prolific teams, one of which being track and field, which is top 25 every year, uh, NCAA Division One. So I had no idea what I was doing, but he gave me that opportunity. And uh, once again, man, got hit with some pitfalls again. Uh, once again, I had no money. I was an intern. They weren't paying me at Northwestern State. So uh, I ended up uh, picking up a hotel job from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., uh, in the morning because it was the only way I could make money. So I would train athletes all day, go to school myself, work out, eat, train athletes in the afternoon, and then I'd get home around 8 o'clock, sleep a couple hours, and then drive 20 minutes to the hotel, and I'd work overnight every day. I did that uh, until I finished my undergrad. Then I moved into a GA. I did that pretty much throughout my whole entire GA. Um, just hustling, man, trying to stay afloat make sure that bills could get paid and whatnot. Um, and in that process, man, I, we saw a lot of success with track and field. And uh, I led my first pro day group organically, kind of put it together myself, and we saw success there. All of our guys uh, were tops in every category. Um, and that's when I realized, okay, like, I could be really, really good at this. Um, they eventually named me interim head near the back end of my time there because Jared might have actually taken a gig at Texas Tech. And then uh, I really realized that I was super good at it uh, pretty early whenever I was able to kind of get that team to rally and come together during the back end of the season and even spring ball and really buy into the program. And that's when I knew, okay, I love Northwestern. You know, it was part of me when I was an athlete, but I need to branch out. And um, so, man, I took off here at uh, D1 down here in Baton Rouge and uh, – it's been a tremendous experience. Uh, everything here has been created pretty organically. We started in 2020 during the middle of a pandemic. Um, brand new facility, which I didn't even know when I took the job here. Uh, so there was no pro day program. There was no pro and elite program or anything like that. And uh, we pretty much developed that thing throughout the pandemic. Um, you know, post rib looking back, it might have been the smartest thing, but I remember when we shut down, I mean, I was still trying to find ways to get the facility and train athletes to make it happen. And so we did. And um, our pro day program started, our pro day and pro program started organically because kids were at home during the pandemic. Schools were in limbo, seasons were in limbo. And so a lot of college athletes had nowhere to go, but they knew who I was. And so it got to where it started with five or six of the guys from Northwestern State that I either played with and or coached. Uh, they came in and they brought friends, they brought friends, they brought friends. And before you know it, we had over 30 something collegiate and professional athletes in the building. Uh, every every hour, every other hour at a time, some days, uh, getting in work. And uh, it's been rocking and rolling ever since. So um, long story, a little bit of treachery embedded there, but man, the, the triumph uh, was truly beautiful in the end. And 
Uh, now I have the opportunity to sit here and talk with you, man. So it, it's been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Got a lot of perspective. Man, that's an incredible story. And, you know, I've seen your tweets from time to time talking about, like, staying, you know, working that hotel, working the late nights and getting to the weight room earlier and, you know, kind of that grind. And, you know, there's been some debate that, you know, strength conditioning should not be a grind. It should be a smooth sale. And, you yeah. know, and we, you know, Fair, you know, everyone to each of their own, but I mean, not everyone's going to be a smooth ride to this, you know, profession. You know, some people got a break and, you know, ran with it. Some people had to go and work, you know, a job to maybe three to pay the bills, to be able to do the profession that we love in order to get to the positions that we want. And that's something that I admired about you. And ultimately, I didn't even know that about you, but like, you have such a great growth mindset that I think more younger strength coaches should admire about that because, you know, we're living in a time of entitlement that you're entitled to things. And, um, you know, you're here, like I busted my ass to get here. You know, I, I didn't take the easy way out. You know, I didn't have any money. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have the things that some people had, but you bust your ass to get to this point, man. That's, that's something that's incredible, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a hustle, man. But um, I will say like, it's also been very inspirational for me, um, especially as of late, to, to want to find new ways to, you know, change the change the narrative within the profession, too, um, because it was rough. And so for me, it's trying to figure out, OK, at what point do guys like me kind of reach back and pull people with us and try to change the trajectory of their careers? They might not have to stumble in fall in those kinds of ways. Um, I mean, it's my journey personally has changed my whole entire perspective on strength and conditioning. Very beautiful profession. Uh, but to your point, like the ringer that so many of us have to go through, it, it makes me question and wonder, okay, why though? You know? Um, so yeah, the, the, the journey that I took, great blessing for me is for, for me now, though, as a young strength coach, trying to figure out, okay, how can I be a blessing for somebody else? Right. Absolutely. And I kind of want to pick it back off of that right now and talk about, like, growth mindset because you have such a great growth mindset. I've seen it from tweets and even just talking for you for the last, what, 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you have a great growth mindset. How important is that in the field of strength conditioning? And I, I think it's I think it's very important. Um, I think it's important because when you look at at the root of what we do, um, the people we work with are constantly changing. The science behind what we do constantly changing. Um, I think even more so important than that at times is uh, we have to decrease ourselves each and every day tremendously. Um, for the increase of others. And so um, for me, my mentality is, is um, it's going to take what it's going to take. And we ask our athletes each and every day to do that for us, despite how they feel, despite any external stressors, um, despite what they have seen throughout the duration of their lifetime or even the duration of the day in which they come in and see us. So for me, I, I've always felt like there's a certain responsibility uh, there's a certain demand upon me to challenge myself each and every day um, because the job itself is a challenge. And so if I can't, if I can't find comfort 
uh, and being uncomfortable, then I'm not going to progress as a strength coach. And uh, I heard the great Mike Tomlin the other day, and I have a journal where I, I write it on every page. Uh, don't seek comfort. And so my biggest thing is just if I want to be good at something and in turn want the people around me to be great, there's a price to be paid. And uh, uncomfortability is, is, is part of that price. So um, I think for me, it's, it's, it's always kind of been the idea that nothing worth it is ever easy. Now, you can do it your own way, but just understand the risks incurred. And uh, once you're able to do that, I mean, you hit it head on. I, I've always found strength in doing the tough thing. Uh, I've always taken pride in knowing that I'm one of those people that will do the hardest thing ever, uh, know it's going to be the hardest thing ever, and I blink. Because most people won't do that. Um, so, man, my, my growth mentality, I, I've had it since I was a little boy. I wish I could truly explain where it comes from or truly explain in depth what it is. But my father always says, you know, son, if you have it, you recognize it, even if you can't explain it. Um, so I've kind of always had that it factor about me, man. And I've tried to find ways to help bleed it over into the people around me and the things that I do. Yeah, man, absolutely. Man, that growth, that growth mindset is huge in our field. You know, you talk about get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, don't seek comfort. That's something that I think a lot of times we try to teach in sports, especially like football. And I, you and me come from a football background, so we kind of know, right. you know, we've been taught, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, to some people that's just an expression. But I can tell from you, Christian, I mean, that's, that's how you walk, man. That's how you talk. That's how you, that's who you are, man. I mean, it's not comfortable being faced with adversity and not blink. Like you said, being faced with adversity and not blinking. You know, I can tell that from you that you took your opportunity and said, I'm going to run with it, whether it's good or bad, I'm going to run with it. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys or gals out there that would do the thing that you did. You know, had to bust your tail working late nights, early mornings just to get by and get your degrees and be in the position to where now you're working with, you know what, pro athletes, college athletes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's most people's dreams. You know, I want to train, you know, the best athletes possible. And I was like, well, did you, you know, say it like, did you get a job at a hotel working all those, you know, all those nights just to go back in the morning, trade athletes, go to school, maybe take a nap, you know, for an hour or two, then do the cycle over and over and over? Now I don't know. Right. I don't know how long. How long did you do that for? Oh man! So I I, I started doing that was 2018 uh, that I started working at the hotel, and I didn't stop until uh, like fall of 2019. So it was about a year, maybe a little over a year um, that I did that, and then that's when I kind of picked up everything and moved to Baton Rouge in 2020. You know, most people would break by that point. Most people yeah. most people wouldn't say, you know, this ain't worth it to me. But man, that's awesome. I, I admire and I'll tell you, like, I, when you said it, it reminded me. I remember my father uh, asked me, and even, some, and even my sister would ask me, like, like, you know, you don't have to live that way. Like, you can choose to do something else. I, I remember my mother, and she's she going to kill me when she hears it, but it's the God honest truth. Uh, she said, Christian, she goes, well, why? If you would have just listened, you could have just been a PT. Like, why didn't you? And, and I remember telling them, like, it's going to pay off. I don't know when. I can't explain when or how, but it, it's got to pay off. But it, it just has to. I, if I quit, I know for a fact it won't. 
you know, so the worst thing I can do is just the best thing I can do, even if it feels like the worst thing at that time, is just to continue to try. Um, because there's a lesson, there's something embedded. I'm going to pull something from this. Um, and so it's just, it's just understanding, like, like I said before, just, it's going to take what it's going to take, whatever that is. You know? Gritty, man. Absolutely gritty. Um, what are you doing to continuously learn in the field of strength conditioning? So, man, so look, it, it's interesting, uh, especially because we're talking. So I will say here at our facility, it is full speed, nonstop, uh, definitely different from my experiences in the collegiate uh, setting, especially being like the head man here and the director of pro sports. Like we almost, well, not quite every hour, but every other hour, we have general population, adult classes, youth classes rolling. Um, all the programming is done by me here. Uh, so yeah, you're providing oversight on the turf and in the weight room, you're programming. Um, also, for those who don't know, I mean, private sector, is, it's, it's big on sales, which is a, something I had to learn the hard way. And it was a struggle in itself, but you know, you're having to sell, so you're having to go up front and make sure that facility support gets what they need from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective. Um, and a lot of the marketing that we've done has been organically. So like I funded our own marketing and stuff. Um, all of that is just constantly happening. So it's been tough for me to get some continuing ed uh, that I don't you know, provide myself when I go buy a book. I'm, I'm reading like three books right now that I, I've been trying to finish them for probably the past eight months and I have to continue to start them over. Uh, so my biggest tool, believe it or not, when I can't go to a convention or a conference, uh, if I am you know, taking forever to finish a book, it's Twitter. Like, and, and, and I don't have a big, I don't have nearly as big of a following on Twitter as I do Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. But it's because I was a late bloomer. Like, I had no Twitter. My agent, when I was playing uh, ball, told me to get one in 2018, and I really didn't use it. Um, and I forget what inspired me to get on Twitter, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to re-download it. I'm going to get involved and see. And then I started seeing guys like Pat Basil. I started seeing Monty Sparkman, who was on with you um, recently. Um, you know, Brandon Pig, all these guys. I'm sitting there. And I don't know anybody from Adam. I don't know any of y'all from Adam. But I just started noticing all the content. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Or, or I, I, you know, Coach Sparkman and what he's doing at, at the high school level. Like, that stuff actually works well with my pro guy. And so, man, I just started tuning into Twitter. And, uh, you know, reading tweets became reading articles. And then reading people's articles began turning to reading books. And so, um, man, to be honest, my biggest continuing education um, outlet or method has been sitting my butt down and getting on Twitter and interacting with people and reading people's interactions. Uh, like Coach Boyle followed me the other day and, you know, he, he, had, he had shared some uh, information with me and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm getting it directly from the source. So um, I don't know how many street coaches are going to get on here and say that, but my, my biggest tool for continuing education recently has been Twitter and the interactions on Twitter. Um, of course, we have, we have our books, but that's been my biggest one. Uh, the articles shared, the information shared, even some of the, the bickering has been educational for me, man. And so it's, it's helped me a, a tremendous amount uh, as of late, for sure. I said it once on this podcast, and I'll probably say it again, and I said it on Twitter. I learned more from Twitter than I did the essentials of strength conditioning. 
Like, yes. like I read that book. I'm like, God, this is so boring. This is this is not helping it helping me at all. I mean, I gotta read it because you know I want to pass that CSCS. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, when I was getting into Twitter, you know, just you know, looking at Pat Basil's, Monty's, Derek Smith, Cody Hughes, you know, Brandon Pitt, yeah. all those other guys. I'm like, these guys are really intelligent, and they 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 are given information that's digestible, and you can apply it. So, oh, so yeah. I'm like. This is way more beneficial than me sitting my butt down, trying to read a 24-chapter textbook, how to pass a freaking... Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like I'm telling you, man, I, honestly, I think that's why I can't finish my books. Like, I'll read it, put the book down, I'll get on Twitter, and Coach Joe is posting, you know, structure, essentially structured play, and I'm like, you know what? I'm about to ask him, why is he doing that? Um, so, yeah, man, like... I wish I had a, a super, super fancy, you know, explanation or, or how I'm learning and, you know, pushing that continuing education. But it, it truly is. If it's not trying to finish these three books, it's Twitter and, uh, you know, being able to communicate with others in person. You know, like I'll occasionally get up and go off a lot of people and go see what they're doing. Uh, you know, I, I flew in and saw, and saw Coach Joey um, maybe a month or so ago and just sat down and you know, talk shop and then, of course, go on to Summer Strong and things like that, have an opportunity to talk with um, the Pat Ivies of the world and the Benny Wileys and stuff. Um, and those have definitely been my tools. But Twitter would be number one, and uh, personal interaction probably be number two. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, I like asking this question here, and it's kind of unique to you since, you know, you got your facility down D1. Where are your non-negotiables in your facility, whether that be – you know, uh, hiring people or your athletes, you know, whatever. What are your non-negotiables? Man, so I have three pillars and I'm giggling because whenever I, I even, even when they have to hold me accountable in here sometimes, right? Um, I, I repeat it so much, they giggle. I have three pillars. It's uh, be, where you, be where you're supposed to be. Do what you say you're going to do, which I took from Jeremiah. My third pillar is, is once you figure out what it is, get it done quickly and do it well. Um, and so outside of that, I mean, there, there really isn't anything um, outside of that that I would say, you know, really grinds my gears or I'm like, you know, it's like, a, like it, as long as you say, do what you say you're going to do, be where you're supposed to be and understand the assignment and do it quickly and efficiently, we can work together and, and, and we can prosper and we can make each other better and those around us better. Um, so, so really, there's a self self accountability aspect to that. Um, so if I can if I can ensure and or hold people accountable to being self accountable, um, and we can do a lot more good uh, than not. So I, I, I do I do believe in allowing people to to work within their means per se and and bring their own level of indiv individuality and creativity. Um, but just make sure that if you're asked to be somewhere, be there. Um, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Make sure that we do it well. So uh, those would be my three pillars. That's pretty plain simple, man. I mean, can't get much more, you know, direct than that. And, um, you know, I've seen your videos on, you know, social media. It seems like y'all have fun in your facility. You know, you, you have fun yeah. training. Oh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's, it's, it's truly a family environment. Um, this community here just outside of that, because the facility is actually in Gonzales, Louisiana. So it's a community just outside of Baton Rouge. Um, you'd be surprised for such a big place, how everybody kind of knows each other. 
And uh, so there's a, a familial environment uh, within the community. Uh, us as a staff, because a lot of us have been here since it opened in the pandemic. Uh, we've been around each other, know each other on a more personal level, which is, I think is pretty good for a strength staff. Uh, but we're pretty close knit that our athlete, um, when you look at, I tell people all the time, we're not a typical uh, private facility where everything's kind of leisurely, like done at your leisure and you know, casually done. Uh, coming from a collegiate background, every athlete that I work with, there's a accountability and discipline component. Um, there's a, a certain level of intensity that we're that we ask them to uphold whenever they're in here, and so given that. Um, each athlete that comes in here, they feel like a family too, because I'm sure you've seen like some of the guerrilla tech stuff we do on Instagram. Um, a lot of them feel like, like guerrilla tech, this is our fraternity. If you train at D1 with Christian and, and, and the staff, like you're different from anybody else in the Baton Rouge area. You're different from anybody else in the state, anybody else in the country, uh, because we train harder than everybody else. Uh, we're more disciplined than everybody else. We're more competitive than anybody else. Um, so it's, it's 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 man, it's it's pretty cool to see uh, down here uh, the kind of culture that's been developed uh, with how we implement what we do uh, and and how we treat each other when we're in here. I mean, it's it's a family. It's a family, and we we work hard, and we're that grittiness that you and I talked about. Uh, like I said, I've always tried to bleed it over into the people that are around me, and so even some of our newer coaches who are just getting some skin in the game, seeing them, um, you know, kind of bite down and say no, like. I embrace the hard things. Like we have a coach. He was here uh, since the inception of the place. And, uh, and um, he was like, you know what? And he just announced it all the day. So it's not a secret, but he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sacrifice getting paid. I'm going to go do an internship at Clemson. Why? Because why not? I need it. You know, like it's, 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 it's awesome to see, man. It's awesome to see it bleed through the facility and bleed through the people who come in here. It's, it's cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And you talk about like the people that you train and, you know, the people associated with you, you know, they're a little bit more disciplined. They're a little bit more greedy. You know, that kind of ties in with sports. And I like asking this question here. Can mental toughness be developed? And if so, how do you develop it? So I do believe that mental toughness can be developed. Um, but I also want to preface that I don't believe that using exercise per se would be how to develop it. Um, one of the things that I realized pretty quickly when I got into the profession, being super, super young, I started when I was 22. I'm still super young to some people when I'm 26. Um, but I knew that my perspective was unique in that a lot of people I work with either my age, close to my age, or even older than me. And so I knew, okay, if I say something, it might be held in, in higher esteem, given that they're looking at me and they're saying, that's a peer of mine. You know, and being at Northwestern State, it was, you know, for some of those guys, I played with them. So it's like, that's my teammate telling me this. And so once I kind of understood that, it was like, okay, I need to figure out what it is about a person that prevents them from going that extra mile, that prevents them from sticking to it, that prevents them from paying attention to the little things. What is it? 
And so I, I began to really dig and dive into the person. And a lot of times uh, it takes me a little while, but, um, you know, once I can kind of pinpoint it, my first thing is, is I, I walk into him and ask him. Like, for example, we had an athlete in, got an athlete, uh, a really good high school football player now down here in the area. He's probably going to be a power five guy. Uh, but when I got him, he was 14 years old, and his mother wanted him to work out with the college guys. Well, they feed him differently down here in Louisiana. So he, at 14, he was like 62, 300, God. and he was solid. Yeah, solid kid. He wasn't out of shape. So I was like, cool, let's throw him in there. And just couldn't get him to finish a drill. Could not get him to finish a drill. Couldn't get him to do all the drills full speed. Um, a lot of times you ask him to put his foot behind the line or you ask him to go on the whistle and he kind of did it his way. And so one day I caught him. I just walked up to the kid and I was just like, hey, man, what's up? Oh, nothing much, coach. I asked him, I said, why do you, uh, so why do you look like, well, why do you look so down when you're training? You know, um, and why is it that you don't finish my drill? And he's like, well, it's hard. It's just hard. And they're faster. They're bigger. And you're just so tough on me. And so from that point, and Future said it best in his song, I can now like to develop that mental toughness by way of making it real for them. So then I started asking about their family. How's your family? Like at home? What are some things you like to do? And once I can pinpoint the things that are true to their spirit, I then use that to provide the perspective as to why they have to finish drill. Um, you know, and so that, that kid developed into something very, very special. And, um, you know, another good example would be we had a kid in here yesterday, wants to finish my drill full speed. Same thing. I walked into my same man, what's up with you? Oh, uh, you know, we, we raise animals where I'm from and a dog died. And now that might not matter too much to me. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it, I know people have connections with dogs. Uh, but obviously, it, it means a lot to him. So for me, it was, well, let me make it real for him, right? I go, well, look, losing something you love is very tough to do, right? Yeah. I said, but you want to know what I've learned? I learned that opposition and adversity are looking more than opportunity. I said, because see, you want to know what else is hard? Showing up in here, lifting weight when you've lost something. You know, uh, showing up in here and running quickly on this turf when you've lost something, that's hard. That's hard. But the beauty of it is, is there's an opportunity. And if, and, if we, and if we're not able to acclimate ourselves, right, uh, with, with things in the weight room uh, and, and, and the hard things on the turf, then hard things continue to be hard for us, continue to mess with our psyche. So we have to build upon what happened today by doing harder things, right? And uh, I said, because at the end of the day, um, I told him, I said, at the end of the day, man, we have to understand that this weight room, there's one thing that's, that's constant for all of us. It gets heavy. I said, so today you're going through something heavy. I want you to go in the weight room and prove to me that, that even though it's heavy, we can still stand up. We can still lift. And it's like, it, it just, his face lit up. His energy was completely different um, from there on out. So making it real for the athlete on a spiritual level, I think is how you develop mental toughness. You have to find a purpose for them uh, when they don't have a purpose or they can't figure out the purpose and help them pinpoint that purpose. And then that's what you feed into them. Um, as, as inspiration. I don't think you, you run kids into the ground until they puke. I don't think you up down kids until they puke. I, I, think, I think that there might be a, a slight discipline component there, right? Uh, if, if we can you know, maintain a safe environment for the athlete. But I think 
if, if we're if we're strictly trying to develop mental toughness, we must first find a purpose, pinpoint that purpose, and use that purpose to fuel inspiration. And I think that that comes from learning your athletes, not just as a person, but you know, learning your athletes from a more spiritual level. Um, and understand that all of them are, are different, uh, but also special tailored to suit in that regard. And building that relationship with them too. I mean, right. if you don't build that relationship with them either, I mean, you're not going to figure out what motivates them, what pinpoint, you know, those pinpoints that you're saying that, you know, will get to them and, you know, building that relationship with, you know, with your athletes. Yeah, that, that's huge, man. Right. That, I, that's a very interesting perspective of how to build mental toughness, you know, and yeah, I, you lived through it and I lived through it. You know, we were taught that mental toughness was we're going to, you know, outwork our competition. You know, there's, you know, you, you were saying doing all the up downs and, uh, you know, run until we puke and all and that sort of thing. I mean, you probably lived through it. You know, oh, yeah. Our had coaches that were in that mentality and I did too. But now I, I'm glad that we're kind of getting to the point in sports to where it's like we realize this is just making kids tired and hate sports, you know. Right. And, and for me, like, the training is already hard. Yeah. Like, the standard is already up here for me. And I know every great strength coach already has this high standard. Um, and, and, they, and, they, and they push kids to train very, very hard. Um, for me, we're talking with me. It's, it's literally in the term mental toughness. Um, that stuff is fueled and or developed by way of put behind the line. If you screw it up, we're just going to do it again. Like, and we're going to do it perfect. You know, or, hey, I, I want my rep done like this. You complete a bad rep. That's fine. Good job. But we're going to get another one perfect. You know, and then if that method doesn't work, well, then I got to figure out why you're choosing, right? not to do it a certain way. And typically when you sit a kid down or athlete down and you talk to them, you realize it has absolutely nothing to do with the sport, the training, or even you. There's something going on spiritually uh, or, or something at home, right? You pinpoint that, create a purpose, and then you're able to create a driven athlete. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what are the most important things to consider when training an athlete? Um. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I got super long-winded. So a ton of things. I think time of year, I'm trying to keep it simple as possible. For me, it's time of year, uh, sport, age, position, in no particular order. Um, I think an exposure. That was my last one, an exposure. I think uh, you, those pillars there alone is what helps me navigate and uh, reverse engineer the needs of each and every athlete. Um, and I'm not gonna lie for me, I, I literally note everything down. Like when, I, when I'm working with an athlete just individually, or if I'm working with a group of athletes, um, I mark down everything from, okay, what, what, what is the coach at school or your coach uh, for your team? What do, you, what do they do during this time of year? Can I contact them, right? What are previous pathologies, right? What, what, what have you encountered physically uh, from the injury perspective, if you've had any, um, that have hindered you? How old are you? What position do you play? How long have you been doing it? Uh, do you guys jump often? If, if not, why not? You know, uh, do you have a track background? How often do you sprint? When you're not here, what do you do? What do you eat? How often do you sleep? Do you have a job? I mark all of these things down when working with, uh, with athletes. 
And then from there, I'm able to reverse engineer our programming. I always say for me in the private setting, uh, perspective has to be different from a programming perspective. I'm not here to, you know, hammer down, hammer down what is already a staple for you. So uh, a lot of our football guys that come and see us, you know, every other day or twice a week, we don't do a whole lot of bench press or, you know, things like that, because I guarantee you either do it at school or you do it in your free time and you go to Planet Fitness. So um, I always tell people my job is to fill in the blank. And because my job is to fill in the blanks, I might have to ask probably even more questions than most strength and conditioning professionals would ask uh, in order to do so. So, man, um, that, that's kind of my process and some things to take into consideration when training athletes. Gotcha. And I was talking about this with my head coach right now because, you know, we have kids that, you know, go to their trainer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm telling them, I mean, like, it's cool. You can go to a trainer all you want to, but whatever happens in this weight room, it's more important than what happens when you go see oh, a yeah. trainer. And say, so if mm-hmm. your trainer is, and I use that word very loosely, you know, if they're good enough, they'll adjust to what we do. And yeah. I kind of hear your answer. Like, yeah, if my, ga- my job is to fill in those gaps. You know, if they're not sprinting enough, guess what we're doing? You know, if we're going to sprint. And, you know, and I like that perspective, or not perspective, that point you made about bench press. You know, if a kid's not doing it at school, they're doing it at play fitness, you know, whatever. They're, they're going to do it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing we try to preach. Like, you know, your body probably needs to rest. Oh no, coach! I gotta get big. I got I gotta get strong, yeah. and you know they go play in fitness and do dumb stuff there. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just I just had to reiterate that you said. I was like, yeah, I'm you know I'm kind of starting to see it now. You know, I've oh, yeah. I've been in training conditioning for about maybe a little over a year, year and a half, and I kind of started to see that thing. This is truly right now what I'm doing is kind of that truly role because I always oh, held yeah. up with the weight room you know I was a sport coach that liked the weight room that sort of thing but yeah. now it's starting to see it like yeah uh, these kids are going to play in fitness and doing oh, yeah. doing dumb ridiculous stuff I'm like yeah and, and I'm telling you man I, I'm telling you and, and I, especially on Twitter I'm very like explicit about like my beliefs in, in some of these on some of these topics. Uh and I don't mind people looking at me and thinking like golly Christian, that was kind of harsh. But I, I do believe that um a lot of trainers, and I, I'm gonna put air quotes as well, not to knock anybody in what they love, but you know, the cream always rises to the top. I truly believe that. But like these trainers take kids and it's there's no there's no method, there's no programming. The 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 benefit of the kid is on the back burner. It's more of what can I do to look really, really cool? Uh, and so a lot of these kids go to these trainers. They see trainers throwing. Heck, nowadays, I feel like it wouldn't be beneath a trainer to throw, I don't know, flaming arrows at kids and making them dodge them. I mean, it, all of that good jazz, you know, just to kind of pull themselves, man. And it's like, no, like it, it's. We all have lanes in this space, in this sports performance space. And if we do it correctly, uh, these athletes can can truly excel and, and, and be and have the ability to be available for their teams. And so um, I know a lot of, I know a lot of private sector trainers and coaches would never think to do it. 
Uh, but I've taken a lot of pride in if I have in particular um, high school and collegiate athletes coming to see me, I try to go see their string coach or I try to get on a phone call with their string coach and I, I can't get a hold of them. Send me your programming. Uh, let me see what we can do and see how that fits. And, um, you know, to reiterate off of what you said, you know, about kids like, oh, coach, I got to get big. Typically, it's the high school kids that are like that, too. I've noticed they come to see me and they think they're going to come in here and they're going to backpedal, spin, turn, cut a backflip, and we're going to put on Instagram, make a reel about it, which is cool. Uh, but very quickly, they get hit in the face with realization, and they're like, wait, coach is just doing, like, soft tissue prep with me in here. And now he has me on the treadmill running tempos, and then he just put me through, like, a micro dose of, like, trap bar and a couple of jumps, and he sent me home. Like, I don't know if I like this. But then they stick around, you know, four or five months, and then – they, 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 they come back and they tell me, look, coach, I felt good all throughout the season. In the weight room at school, I've excelled here, 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 and here. I have no injuries. Wow, man, thanks a lot. You know? Um, so I think if, if everybody, both high school, private sector, college, private sector, pro, private sector, realize that if we just bridge the, bridge the gap, work together, collaborate, stay in our lane, man, we, we would be in a better place and so would these athletes. Uh, I like I like to I like to truly see myself as not a a private entity, but like if I were to work with one of your guys, I I feel like I work for y'all, you know. So uh, I think I think if we all kind of thought that way, especially on my side, man, we'd be in a better spot. Right, and I want to go back to that point that you're saying that like trainers, again, air quotes you know, put kids through these, like, ridiculous drills and then post it. It's like, you know, class of 25, getting them working and whatever, and it's, like, the most ridiculous drill I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, like, that, you know, kids love social media, and I get it. You know, you're trying to build your brand whatever, and it's fine and whatnot, but I mean, like, most kids don't need their heads, or especially high school boys. I work with high school boys, and they don't need their ego blown up any more than it's already done. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I, I post things on social media from time to time. You know, of our boys and you know, whatnot. You know, they like it, shared whatever. But I mean, it's the little stuff that you don't see behind the scenes that really make up those athletes. You know, it's the mobility yeah. drills. It's going through full range of motion. You know, stuff that are not popular, like full range of motion lifts. You know, yeah. they ain't going to get your likes on Instagram or Twitter, but, I mean, those are the best things for athletes. And stuff like that, you know, okay. I, I just kind of, I kind of cringe at, you know, when I see, like, a ridiculous drill. Like, yeah. like they had that little toy that has, like, you throw an athlete and they had to catch, like, a certain... Yeah, the Hiko stick. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, that thing. I'm like, how are you ever going to do that on the football field? Like... On the ball. I'm just like on a bosu, yeah, one leg on the bosu ball, and then I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm just like, man, it's 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 insane. Um, it, it's 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 truly insane. Um, I, I I've always felt like, you know, like I said, the cream's gonna always rise to the top. At the end of the day, it's about results. It's about the longevity of these athletes. Their longevity creates yours. So, um, there was a point in my career in Jeremiah, uh, my former boss will tell you he had to really fight to get me not to fall down that path of doing what's, what's sexy, I guess. Uh, but I hit a point where I was like, you know, 
I need to do something that's going to be results driven and keep these athletes safe. Um, and, and they will be, if anything, they will be my advertisement. And it's the way that I treat them when they come in here and the conversations had that will bring them back and they'll bring friends too. Um, so man, we, we, we're pretty meat potatoes here. Uh, anybody that comes to train with, uh, train with us, they find out very quickly, we're going to work a barbell. We're going to jump high. We're going to run fast. We might have some cute things that we throw in there, uh, at the end of a workout, just to kind of find a little added stress or let them have some fun. But for the most part, um, we're going to get up under a barbell. We're going to move weight extremely fast. We're going to be aggressive when we do it. We're going to compete with one another. Um, you know, and, and we're also going to have tough conversations. Uh, I think being real with these athletes and holding them accountable for not only how they perform in here, but also holding them ac accountable for what they do outside of here and keeping them realistic uh, so we can actually have realistic goals in place and something that they can fight for. I think that's important, too. Um, we talk about high school kids. We do have a big following here with high school athletes, how big their heads get. I can't tell you how many high school kids um, have come in and they're like, Coach, I run 4-4. No, you don't. I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Let's pull out the uh, Zybex system. We're going to get you on a laser. I guarantee you don't run 4-4. Oh, I run 4-4, 4-9. Oh, coach, I... well, hey, it's a bad note. No, no, you're slow. Beautiful thing is, if we do this correctly and you trust me, we're going to make this happen. I'm telling you, they appreciate a, a heck of a lot more. And, uh, and so those conversations, that level of accountability, that's what they want. And so they, they come back and they bring friends too. Uh, so just keeping it real and and, and being that cream that rises to the top, man, that's 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 where you're gonna get your your pub from doing the right thing. You know? Right, absolutely. I like your quote on there saying, you know, not doing what's sexy. I'm like, that that's yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, we're getting a, a laser system in our high school now, and I, I, some of these boys about to get exposed here, and you know, yeah. in, in the next, I hope month if it comes in in the next month. You know, I want to speed train throughout the season and keep our speed the way that it is. Mm. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, coaches hand time stuff and, you know, there's human error and all that kind of stuff. But, oh, yeah. but I mean, I can't wait for that system to come on and some of the kids, you know, say, oh, I ran a four or five. Uh, you're probably running a five flat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, I see it even with the VBT training. Um, like, it, it gives them something to shoot for. It, it drives intent. Uh, but it also allows these athletes to, and what I found with our guys and girls it, is it allows them to also, also not put so much pressure on themselves because it provides such great context. Um, you know, King Clark created a chart uh, that I used to have memorized, but he sent it to Coach Joey, who sent it to me, showing how many yards have been covered uh, in the 40-yard dash given whatever time you, you run. And so for a lot of those athletes, uh, very quickly, they get down on themselves and they run a slower time. Um, but then I'm, I'm very able, I'm very quickly able to pull them back in and say, no, 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 but there's still an opportunity here because see, you ran four seven, which shows uh, at the 4.0 mark, you've covered roughly 35 yards already. Five yards in that far. We just got to figure out how to, how to make up for those five yards. Well, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm already attacking next week. We do our flies and we do our, and so, uh, they're great for intent and they're great for providing context to drive that intent um, in a lot of ways too. So uh, that, that equipment is amazing. It's, it definitely taps into the exercise psychology of our job for sure. Right on, man. Right on. Uh, so I love, I want to ask you this question here and you see a lot of athletes 
and um, some are entering their competition season, some are entering, you know, preseason, some are entering, you know, they're different parts of, you know, their school year, you know, or I guess their competition year are different parts throughout the entire school year. I mean, what are the most important things when you're looking at athletes, you know, there are having off season and then preseason and then the competition season. I mean, how do you how do you get all that like how do you build that plan, I guess is the best question. Yeah. So um the really cool thing is this. I I pretty much understand everybody's competition phase, pre-competition phase, off-season phase. So for me, I think it starts with support. Um, once I can pinpoint the sport, I then have to figure out how long you're going to be here, how often are you coming in a week. Once I figure that out, I'm like, all right. So I can kind of guesstimate at this point, guesstimate the split that I would want to use. Now, let me ask you, what are you doing away from here? Are you training at all? Right. If you are, okay, what do you do? What do you like to do? Or what is, or, or what are you doing at school? Let me see that or give me a rough idea. Then once I get that, well, now I can more so pinpoint what I want to do for the split. Um, and then um, from there, I mean, it's pretty easy at that point. It's kind of plug and play because we're just filling in the blanks. Um, now, where it does get kind of tricky is with the pro athlete. Like, because they'll come in a week. I'm going to Cabo in two weeks. Just send me something. It's like, well, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that. Um, so they can be very, very difficult. I would say from the top down with pro athlete, it's the same method uh, to my madness. However, a lot of the times when it comes to their programming, I, I'm, I use the old school Borgs model. And I know people say it's obsolete, but RPE has been huge for me. Um, I used it with a pitcher. He's, he's one of the, he's one of the uh, relievers for the Mariners. I used it with him. All of his percentages, because the juice just isn't worth the squeeze for me, I'm not maxing you. We're going to use your body weight. I'm going to set a percentage interval, and based on your rate of perceived exertion, you pick the low or the high. I use from there Prilipin's chart to figure out what are the optimal rep ranges for that, that percentage interval. And as long as you get that many reps done and you do it violent intent, you should be good. So um, that works very well with the, with the pro guys and girls. With the college athletes, it, I have to have a program or something. Um, and a lot of times, we just fill in the blanks given that program for that time of the year. And um, like, for example, some of our um, college football guys, they'll come like during the spring. I literally tempo them and we do a lot of trap bar. We do a lot of, uh, I'm big on Louis Simmons. We do a lot of, um, we do a lot of the, oh my gosh, DPP stuff. Uh, so we ATP walk, we sled, push, pull, march, a lot of band work, a lot of empty barbell work for shoulder health, um, all that good jazz. So it all depends on sport because then I can, I can figure out, okay, you play volleyball, it's summertime, you're getting ready to play. Right? Uh, if you're working with me uh, exclusively or if you're working with somebody else, um, and then kind of figure out the split from there. So a lot of questions have to be asked, but I think uh, what's been a lifesaver for me is understanding the phases of each sport that I typically would see down here in the Baton Rouge area, which is typically track, football, basketball, baseball, softball. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. That must be an interesting job. You know, you're working with pro athletes, you're working with college athletes, you work sometimes with high school athletes, and you kind of have to, I guess, 
not program them differently, but just present it in a different way. Like I seen that that scale that was the RPE, mm-hmm. the board model. Board yeah. model. Yep, I seen that, and I wanted to use it on the high school athletes, but you know, uh, I'm 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 big on percentages. I, I'm put it out there for strength conditioning Twitter, whoever listens to this. You know, I'm big on percentages, and I yeah. I use it for myself. I think it makes the most sense. But I can see for like a pro athlete, like, how do you feel? Can you go higher? Can, you know, can you go heavier? Whatever. So yeah. And like even with the high school athletes, um, because I have a, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Brandon Schaefer. He's now at San Jose State. He and I used to talk about it all the time because he was the first person that kind of put me onto it. And um, the 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 issue is having that high school athlete or any athlete, but you're probably going to see it more in high school kids. On a scale of one to ten, what are you? Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a twelve coach. They don't want to train, right? Like, you know, so that that can become an issue. And so I will say this: when it comes to the high school kids, I'm almost unwavering. You know, when it comes to the percentages, like I, I will use percentages, and I'm usually a hard stop on those percentages. Um, and then I use the eye of the coach. Uh, being in the eye of the storm, my coach Joey tells me all the time. And if it's not moving the way I want it to move, okay, we'll light it. I expect you to move faster. I want you to be violent when you do it. Um, so, I, but with, with those college and pro guys and girls, they they do pretty good of keeping it real with me. And like I said, they 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 with the little wiggle, wiggle room that they have, it's it's not much because I give them a percentage interval based on a, based off a privilege uh, table that they can work within. Uh, so you can you can't go any higher than this. You also can't go any lower than this. So you, you got to work with me here to make sure that we can push the adaptation necessary. I guess with college and pro athletes, I mean, you're either getting a scholarship or you're getting paid to do this. So mm-hmm. you might as well take this stuff, you know, kind of seriously. Or high school athletes, is, you know, you're only here because your high school coach told you to be here. Right. And then, two, those college kids and, and those pro guys, they're paying us. So it's like, yep. you know, you obviously want to be here. When you start matriculating your way down through the high school, junior high ranks, you might not be here because you want to be here. Your parents might have been like, no, you're going, I'm paying the money. So it's not your money and you don't want to be here. You're probably not going to always want to give me your right. Yeah, when uh, when is your own money? That's a, that's a different question. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, what advice would you give a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength conditioning or sport performance? Um, I would say always be working. Uh, approach every day like the fight of your life because, you know, it, your life might very well depend on it, right? Given the decisions made to, to either further your career or hinder it. Um, always be working. Understand no one's going to save you and whatever you believe isn't your responsibility. Nine times out of ten probably is. So um, make sure that when wanting to enter this field and or entering this field, understand that uh, there must be some some perspective that is geared towards being less about you and more about everyone else, and you should be fine. Um, that's been kind of the thing that has pushed me so far and has kept me going, uh, is understanding that the purpose is never has never been about you know my preferences. It's always been about the person. My purpose is the person, not my preferences. Um, if you can kind of you know keep that as your staple when you come in, uh, you'll expedite your journey very, very quickly. You'll meet a lot of great people along the way. And in turn, your impact's going to be great and vast. Um, so that would be, that would be my, my bit of advice. 
That was awesome, man. Yeah. Um, you know, coming back to you got to keep grinding, man. I mean, the the road to strength conditioning is not it ain't pretty. It, oh no! If you want to go in this field, it ain't, it ain't pretty. Even if you got your dream job, it ain't pretty. It ain't gonna go the way you think it's gonna go. You, know, you gotta keep grinding. Oh yeah. Uh, what are your biggest strengths and weaknesses as a coach? I think, I think one of my biggest strengths uh, would probably be, I guess, the word I would use would be fluidity. And what I mean by that is, is there's not a thing in strength and conditioning that I don't think. Uh, has a place. I believe there's a place for everything and when prescribed properly um, can do wonders for the athlete and the people that we work with. Um, and the reason why I believe that, that that is a strength is because of the nature of what I do. We work with everybody. Uh, we work with anybody that's willing to work. So we have to be fluid in our thinking and fluid in our perspectives and fluid in our approach because the population we work with is so fluid. Um, that, I mean, that even goes with how we communicate, being able to communicate well and being fluid in our, in our communication. I think that's my biggest strength. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm truly a chameleon. You can stick me anywhere and I'm, I'm going to be able to, to fit in and, and, and impact uh, people from, from the inside out. Uh, so I think that that's my biggest strength. I think my biggest weakness, quite honestly, I would think that my biggest weakness at times could be my ambition. And a lot of people aren't willing to come out and say that. But uh, there are some decisions from a personal development standpoint that I might make that are to my detriment because I'm always, I always have the mentality like, there's more. I can do so much more. You know, there's more to be had and there's more to be given. And there's, you know, I think, so I think that that at times can be uh, a weakness for me. Um, and I also think. Another thing that could be a weakness for me at times uh, would be the uh, would be my imposter syndrome, in a way. Uh, I, I'm not a cocky guy. I think I think that cocky individuals don't have the willingness to learn. But I, I do have a lot of conviction, and and and, I, and that's because I do want to learn more. Uh, but but at times, I don't always have the greatest faith some of the things that I you know I, I put out into the, the space when it comes to wanting to educate others each others um because I look around and I'm like you know coach is doing that I didn't think about that man and I falling behind the eight ball here or there and so sometimes it hinders me in uh in, in, in wanting to reach out and get more personal development at times I think it hinders me uh when it comes to my intuitiveness when it comes to my programming and stuff like that uh now, do I think that they're huge weaknesses? No, because uh, they're quickly overcome um, due to my conviction. I know, I'm, I know, and I believe that I'm I'm very good at what I do, and uh, you know, if it, and I'm and I'm okay if I get it wrong with admitting to it and trying to get it fixed. Uh, so, if anything, they're small weaknesses that might slow me down, but they never stop. So, I think those would be my strengths. Yeah, right on, man. Right on. Um... A lot of people have that imposter syndrome. Not, I've seen it popped up a lot more in the last few months. It's like, well, I don't feel like, you know, I don't want to have this feeling of imposter syndrome, whatever. And I kind of get it from time to time. Like, 
I see coaches posting great content out there. You know, athlete strength, they're getting after it and whatnot. And I'm like, I'm not posting anything <laughs> about training. Yeah. You know, the area ain't that like that. You know, I'm not posting athletes or hardly they ever do. I'm like, man, should I be doing this? You know, so that, yeah. that that's a good point. That you know, imposter syndrome has been something that's been popped up a lot more in the strength conditioning community. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it can, it can definitely be an issue, but I will tell you, uh, I've been able to overcome it. Um, and, and one thing I've kind of been telling myself as of late is, is there's, there's no level of interaction uh, that isn't valuable, you know, for either the person receiving the information or the person giving information, if not both. So and I, I put a lot of our work in what we do out there, especially on Instagram, um, knowing that, hey, if people don't like it, They'll educate me as to why. You know, if people love it. They'll educate me as to why, and and in turn, they'll be educated. That's such a great quote. I might put that on a t-shirt later. Uh, <laughs> um, what are your top five coaches that have influenced you in strength conditioning? Man, top five. Ah, I'm gonna say no particular order because I love them all, and, and, and the bulk of them I have a very personal relationship with them. Um. So Joey Gracio definitely. Uh, I love playing for him. I love working for him. He'd be number number one if you can say number one. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, who I worked for at Northwestern State, now at Live Oak High School. Uh, Aaron Potashnik worked under him in Northwestern State. He's now at San Jose State. Um, I played under Coach Michael Golden. Uh, he was formerly of UMass and University of South Florida. He's at Arkansas Tech. I played Arkansas Tech for a while. He was a great coach. He gave me a fantastic and very different perspective on strength and conditioning. We didn't Olympic lift at all. He didn't believe in it. It wasn't his deal. We did a lot of strongman work. We did a lot of carries, a lot of presses and squats and dead. And boy, we were strong. We were fast. Um, let's see. Last three, four. My fifth one. I can't. I can't leave my man. I can't leave my man Mo Wells out of there. I mean, I, I never got to work for Mo. But I, as an athlete, I spent a little over two months with Mo, and I learned so much uh, about the private sector and more of the uh, intensive and, uh, and, and minute details of sports performance from Mo Wells. Um, he's also been one heck of a friend, too. So uh, if, I could, if I could name my top five, those would be the guys in no particular order. And of course, there's there's many more that I've learned for I've learned from that uh, I haven't named, and they know who they are that have greatly impacted my career, and I love them for it. So. Absolutely. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of that question, who is a coach that you think everyone should be following, whether that be Instagram or Twitter or wherever? Man, I mean, I think I think the entire world knows if you if you're not following Joey, you're doing something wrong. Uh, but I do think. I do think everybody needs to go follow Mo Wells. Um, his perspective on sports performance across all disciplines. Um, I think I think he and I are more in line uh, than not on a lot of those things. I mean, he's he's done a lot of work bridging the gap, uh, you know, across all avenues of sports performance. Uh, ATCs, so your 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 training staff. Um, college and private sector, pro and private sector, private sector coaches and collegiate coaches. Um, 
Heck, he's even he's even done things that I, I found tremendous um, with sports nutrition, sports medicine, even some of the NIL stuff uh, that he has great insight on and brand partnerships as a strength coach, um, which I think is what strength and conditioning is slowly starting to become for us, even as professionals, right, where we're able to monetize and, um, you know, make a living off of ourselves and our own name, image, and likeness like these athletes. Being able to follow Mo Wells and get those perspectives, I don't care what kind of coach you are, whether it's high school, college, private sector, professional. Um, I, I do think you need to follow him as well um, and get some of his insight and some of his viewpoints, man, um, because he's definitely a trailblazer. And I, I do I do think that he needs a he needs some credit for uh, kind of turning the dial on strength and sports performance as we know it today. Gotcha. And last question here. So you worked both in the collegiate and the private sector. You know, right now you're in the private sector. What do you like more? Do you like going to collegiate? Do, do you like more in the private sector? I mean, what's the difference for you? Yeah, man. So you know, it's crazy. Um, obviously, I get this question all of the time. I knew it was coming. So, I'm honest guy, I'll tell the truth. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I like one more than the other. I love them both for different reasons. And I have issues with both for different reasons. Um, I guess I could kind of just kind of talk through the pros and cons more than anything. So I love college. I worked with football only in Colorado State. And we were more of, a, of an Olympic-style staff at FCS Northwestern State. What I loved about college, I loved that team uh, environment. I loved being able to take a team no matter where they were in their process and fight like hell with, with them to get them better and truly feel like I was truly ingrained and embedded in something. I love that. I also love going to the competitions and being under the lights. I love the electricity of not just being on the field, you know, because, you know, you can get a sideline pass as a private sector coach. I enjoy being under the lights and being in the thick of it, being in the trenches of said competition with that team, knowing that we hustled all offseason together. I watched you guys, you know, battle homework and schoolwork. We did this together. Like, I enjoy that. I enjoy being a part of, of that, that kind of environment. That was awesome. Um, the cons that I tended to struggle with, especially being a younger stream coach, and having the mentors that I had who were these big personalities was, I was always afraid to be put in this box. And I have a very big personality. Um, and my biggest thing was I never wanted to feel like I had to, I had to make myself small per se at times to fit the logo on my shirt. And uh, I was kind of like, I really don't like that. You know, but I also know it comes with the territory. Um, I also do, being a younger strength coach, enjoy being able to travel and connect and go and see other places and, and, and other athletes and other coaches. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big in-person kind of guy. Uh, I'm very out of sight, out of mind. So if I, don't, if I don't get to connect with somebody on a personal level at some point, like it, not that it doesn't matter as much to me, but the effect isn't the same. So being able to kind of go and do and collaborate more easily um, was something that was a big priority for me early on. And so that's why uh, I kind of made the flip after spending some time in the Cleveland Center. Uh, but I will say, with all that said, I love college. And 
I saw great success as a collegiate strength coach. Uh, I love strength and conditioning coaches in the collegiate setting. I learned a lot from them. a lot of what I apply over here comes from what I learned in the collegiate setting. Um, so it's, it's definitely awesome and I love it. Now with the private sector side of things, uh, what I enjoy is being able to work with everybody at any point in time. And I love the added challenge of having to fill in those blanks like we talked about. Um, I love being able to work at work with professional athletes more frequently um, and being able to be more flexible to work with them. So like being able to, you know, allow for a week and work with a guy or, you know, um, get a guy or a girl to come in for, for a month or two and work with them and stuff like that. That's always been fun. I also enjoy the challenge of super, super high risk, uh, but high reward. I love that. And I know a lot of people run from that. I, I, I love knowing that we have to get it right for a lot of these athletes. Um, and I love it because I am a, I am a, what I would call a nerd, you know? So I love being, a, I love having to, okay, we need to figure out how we get this adaptation um, and how we can, you know, achieve it quickly without hurting them. Let's dive into these books now. Let's look at these charts. I enjoy that. Um, I also enjoy that collaborative freedom. And I like that that uh, I like the ease of being able to uh, create your own name, image, and likeness as a strength coach. Um, I love that. I always felt like that was something that I was called to do. Um, now, the cons of it is sales. And it goes without saying, people that work here with me will let you know, like, I do not like sales. I hate sales. Science behind sales. Having to sell people is not something I enjoy doing. Um, because at the root of it, it's all about the athlete, the person for me. And, you know, the owners of our facility, they've heard me say, if I could do it for free, I would 100%. <laughs> um, so I don't like that aspect, but I know that it comes with uh, the nature of the beast. Um, and we're also a super, super busy in private sector. Private sector never sleeps. So I think another con would be there is some level of difficulty met when I want to do some personal development and uh, professional development that I have to kind of you know, fight to get some time to do. Uh, that's also a con as well. So, uh, but at that point, I love private sector as well. So I've seen great success. So I love both of them. Um, they're both really, really awesome. I enjoy both. They both have their pros and cons and you know, for which I love them both for those things. So uh, very different but very fulfilling in their own regards as well for me. So I don't know how many private sector coaches feel that way or how many college coaches feel that way, but man, I love them both. And, um, you know, I'm not here to say whether or not I'd rather work in, in one or the other, uh, but I do know that I would work in both for sure. And I would, I would freaking, I'd, I'd crush it. I'd fight like hell to crush it, you know, if, if I didn't initially, so. Right on, man. Would you ever go to the high school realm? So look, man, so look, I, I, I never, ever, 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 I remember I used to say this out loud. I used to be like, man, I don't know if I could go the high school route because I don't know if, I don't know if, if I want to work with the children. Like I was like, I, because I remember how I was in high school. I mean, I was a good player, but man, I was annoying. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if I want to put up with the corny jokes and like, like let's get to work. Like, I, but haven't been in a private setting and worked with some of these high school athletes who are really awesome people. 10 times more mature than I gave him credit for has, has allowed me to think about it 
but then also meeting guys like yourself, Coach Sparkman, Coach Basil, who spent a lot of time in the, uh, the high school setting. I'm like, the right place at the right time, I could do it. And, and I feel like it'd be super, super fun. Um, and, and, and obviously, I'm a challenge-oriented guy, so then I saw the challenge of it. You know, Christian, you, you didn't think you would do it. But that's probably why you should give it a shot one day, maybe. You know, so um, yeah, it's definitely been a thought. It's been a, it's been a thought more recently uh, than before. Oh yeah. Well, Christian, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on here, talk about your growth mindset, your story, and your perspective of you know strength conditioning and mental toughness and everything, man. That that's completely awesome, man. Appreciate you for having me, man. Thank you. Like I said, it's, it's an honor. When you asked me. I was kind of shocked because I saw some of the names. I'm like, imposter syndrome, right? I'm like, man, I, how can I even be in the number? Like, these people are great, man. Uh, these are these these guys are are amazing. Uh, but, but with that said, man, I'm I'm very honored and I'm truly excited uh, to see how far you take this thing, man. And uh, from me to you, I wish you all the best. And, and you, you've got my contacts. If you ever need anything, man, you know, hit me up. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, that was another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, Coach Raspberry. Thank you for everything, man. Thank you for even Green to come, come on here, man. I appreciate you so much. And so in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Thank you, Christian. Thank you.